If you're here for the first time, uh, I welcome you. I am, I am new to you, but not here for the first time. Uh, we honor Pastor Landon and Emily as lead pastors of this house. Um, they have really proved themselves over the years, and I am humbled and grateful to be their dad, or his dad. And Emily is like a daughter to us. I call her Emily Joy because and I made the joy part up because she came into our family when there wasn't a lot of joy. And, you know, when people, when God brings people into your life, whether it's a daughter-in-law or son-in-law to help and to bless your family, it becomes so peaceful and so wonderful. And Emily has been that to us and our family and little Adelaide. I got to, I got to, um, new member of your church. But, oh, she got to go through new members class. That's all I forgot. So uh, I flew in from Dallas um, and uh, last night and Emily was awake. She called me in. I was able to hold our, our newest grandchild. And uh, I think that's number nine for us. I've lost count. I asked my wife, what number are we on? And we have another one coming uh, two months. We have another one coming uh, at Stephen and Bruna having a little girl also. So we had like a bunch of boys, little baby boys born in our church. Now we got a bunch of girls being born. So we thank the Lord for adding to our family. And I also not recently married um, my grand, first oldest granddaughter and her husband. And they had a baby. So that makes me a... And as you can tell, I wasn't that happy. I said, Victoria is her name. Victoria, do you know what you've done to me? I'm all thinking about myself, you know. And what you've done to your Mimi. We're, we're Mimi and Papa Joe. So I said, uh, you know, you've made us great grandparents. And, you're, and Mimi's not even 60 yet. I'm 60. And so, but we're happy. We thank the Lord for all he's done in our family. And if you're, if, um, you're new here, again, I welcome you. And uh, we thank the Lord for all God is doing here. I really am praying for a new building for you because four services. I, I have two. I, at the end of two, I'm like, I am spent. I need to be, I got to go to the Sea of Galilee and recover, you know. Like, Jesus, go fishing, you know, and decompress. But four services, I, I brought a change of shoes, a change of clothes. I'm going to shave sometime in between, take a shower, you know, take a nap maybe. But uh, I know we're on a time service, so I got to stop uh, jabbering here. But I have a desire as a speaker, I have a desire for people to know me and not for you to assume anything. I wasn't raised this way. Um, um, my mother is French Catholic. Her last name is Manjou, Manjou. Uh, her father and family came down from Canada, settled in Maine. Uh, my dad was congregational. So in New England, you know, you're either congregational or Catholic or something like that years ago. And mom, and after the Korean War, my dad was a sergeant in the Korean War, uh, lived through it, came home, and him and mom had seven of us kids together. But before he could marry my mom, you know what he had to do? He had to become Catholic. So here he is, 24 years old or so, and he's going to catechism. I went to catechism after school on Wednesdays on the way home. You know, the nuns taught us about the Holy Roman Church. But uh, here he is as a, an older, as a man going to catechism so he can marry my mother. 
and become Catholic. So he did that. He loved my mother, and they're still alive today. My dad's 89, my mom's 83, living in Maine, no medication, no pills. They're just Holy Ghost-filled people, pray for us every day. And I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be here if my father had not chosen my mother and, the, and us kids over alcohol. There was a time, I don't remember much of it, I was about 13 years old, and, and my mother said, okay, it's either alcohol or me and the children. Thank God to this day, I don't know what would have happened to me if my dad had said, I'm out of here, you know. I love my Budweiser more than all this. You're not going to tell me what to do, you know, all that crap. But he was humble, and he got a hold of his values, and it put, that gave us such self-esteem knowing that story later, because I've seen men choose the other. I've seen pastors choose the other, and I don't want to tell you about that. I don't want, I don't want you to know about stuff like that. We're in the church, and we're happy today to be here. So, um, and then, so at age 14, uh, the story goes, my mother was wandering and dragging us to every different kind of church in town. We were Jehovah Witnesses one summer. Uh, I went to, back to school, and I had, I had a Jehovah Witness Bible, and my friends were always like, did you witness any Jehovah's today? You know, that, that was the thing. And then I got saved at the Baptist church. I walked the aisle and said the prayer, and then all the Church of Christ was at our house with film strips. My mother was searching and searching. They're searching. There's got to be more. And then she wandered in to a church like this and she sat right in the back against that back wall like you girls are. And she was there for the first time and tears were flowing down her face. And her words are, is that I felt God for the first time in my life. Felt God. So I'm here today standing on the shoulders of great parents uh, that kept searching, kept searching. Jesus promised, if you seek me, you will find me. Don't play games and say, well, I tried. Keep searching until you find him. That is your job. God is not going to do your part. You have your part and God has his part. Seek him until you find him. Now, God is not lost, but he loves to be found. He loves to be pursued. He likes to know, do you love me more than your house and your money and your car and your vacation? More than yourself. Do you love me more than anything else? As you go after something, go after God like that in your life. How many likes to eat? I, I finally got a, a handle on my health. I turned six. I gave a gift to myself. And intermittent fasting has been the answer for me. But I still love food. Food doesn't love me back, but I love food. Food abuses the relationship. Food is not my friend, but, but I love to eat. And I love, I walked out into the parking lot here and I was looking at this, wow, look at this pearl white GMC truck. And I'm like, I gotta get me one of those. But I don't like the payment. I like no payment at my age, you know, no more debt. But I liked it, I, I gotta confess, I took my phone and I took a picture. I'm gonna put it on my wish list. You know, Jesus, you know, if you ever want to bless me, because I want to pay cash. I don't want a payment too old for that. But go after God like you go after stuff. 
you get excited. Go after God that way and love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So we're, we're preaching today. We are the church. I'm going to lay the groundwork, I hope, for your series on we did it together, we go together. And I heard this wonderful statement. I didn't, I didn't uh, create it, or I'm not the author of it, but I've made it famous. <laughs> it's that uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that is so true about my life and our ministry. And we are pastors of Covenant Church in Lake Havasu. And there were some girls in the first service from Bullhead. They came up like, wow, if we're ever in Havasu, now we know you're there. So if you're ever in Lake Havasu, come by. We'll make you feel right at home at Covenant Church, Lake Havasu. And my wife is there today. She's coming up later to pick me up. And we have four services today. So I'm really praying that you get a new building so, that, so we can have one big service. Wouldn't that be cool? One mega service. Then I'll come back. No, I'm having fun. But uh, Jesus said this, upon this rock I will build my church. Everyone say church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What, what, is, what is the point? The point is he didn't come to save a government. He didn't come to save a nation. He's not there to save Rome. He's not there to save the nation of Israel. He's not even there to start a Christian government. Everyone prays and puts a lot of energy in that stuff. Be careful where you put your focus. Jesus knew the only hope of the world was to build a church and to gather people together. There is something, and I'm going to teach you about the power of gathering together to worship. When we gather together to worship, it does something only unique to the church. As an individual, you are a Christian. But when we gather together, we become something different. We are the church. And that is the powerhouse that Jesus um, promised us. There are things, Paul put it this way when we gather together, Ephesians 4, for whom the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, joined and knitted together, firmly together, every joint supplies. Each part is working properly, causes what? The body to grow and mature, building itself up. Everyone say up. In love. The world is sucking you down, but when you come to church, you get lifted up. You leave up. You come down. You leave up. You come in dirty. You leave clean. You come in with no hope. You leave with hope. What happened to me? I don't know. I just feel better. Maybe I should do some jumping jacks. Maybe I'll go running today. What's happened to you? Has, has something changed your circumstances? No, circumstances haven't changed. I changed. That's what happens when you go to church. You change. It changes your attitude. It changes your perspective. It changes your outlook. you got hope now. You can't live very long without hope. God said, I'll give you a hope in the future. He knew what he was doing. Some things only happen that are unique to our gathering together. And we're going to show you how those things are in worship. Psalms 35, David said, I will give thanks in the great congregation. I will sing praise among a mighty people. The great congregation is as many people as you can gather. Someone says, well, the Lord said if two or three are gathered together in my, that is like the worst case scenario. That is not the goal. We don't want to be any bigger than just us four and no more. You know, we're all friends. As long as I have my seat. Oh, gather together. The largest congregation you can. 
Because you don't know. You don't know what is happening spiritually. We're blind to so much. I told the first service, I really believe when we get to heaven, God is going to just, you know, push back the veil from our eyes and say, this is what was happening when you were worshiping together in church. Demons were falling. Darkness is pushed back. Healing was happening. Cancer was being kept away from your body. Depression was pushed out of your life. You have no idea what's happening in the power when we gather together. And then I'll say, no, this is what was happening when you weren't there. The wheels came on. Lost your way. We all have lost our way. We've all gotten discouraged. David said, praise the Lord, sing a new song. I love this. The Lord says, sing a new song. This is what I tell the old timers. Even God doesn't want an old song. It's these new kids. All they want is a new song. No, even God says, bring me a new song. Tired of all the old stuff. You're going to keep singing songs from the 1800s? That was the new song then. <laughs> Amazing Grace. Yes, the newest thing in town. People worship the song instead of worshiping God. Anyways, that was free. That wasn't even in my notes. So the worship, worship, what is, you know, what is worship? Well, we have musicians, you got cool drums, you got lights, you have wonderful singers. You got the best singers in Flagstaff on your stage, the best singers and, and they're worshipers. That's why they're the best singers. Cause they know how to worship when they sing. Talent is a dime a dozen. You can find talent anywhere, but a person that will use their singing or their musician. Now, what's the danger? There's, there's, there's a downside to everything as well as there's an upside. So what's the, what's the downside of musicians and singers? It, be, it can become like a concert to you. It, you ever been to a concert? Yeah. Right? I don't want to name anyone. Anyone. But you go to a concert, you're like, oh, this is cool. I'm not going to really enjoy this. And you're kind of like, yeah, wow. They sing so cool. They play so well. I'm just going to enjoy it. That's what's happened. That's the danger of having talented singers and musicians is that you come to church saying, man, they sing so good. I, I shouldn't sing at all. I just love hearing Josh sing. So amazing. I should give him a tip after church. Right? And you think that way. You're like, I'm just enjoying the experience. But yes, we need musicians and we need great singers. But that's not the, the goal. It's not for you to sit back and not, not engage. It's worship is the goal. It's just to help you get over that bridge. And to, I think I'm going to engage. I think I'm going to sing along. But it's not a sing-along either. When you start singing, you got to know that's just the beginning of your worship. Worship is this. And here's a clear definition. Now, I, in the Hebrew, the word worship means movement. It just means do something. <laughs> you know, move your spirit, your heart, your mind first, and then even your body. You know, you, you may clap your hands, you may tap your toe, but you know when you're resonating in with worship. You know when you've shut your phone off, no one's bothering you, you've canceled your life, no one can interrupt you, and you are totally focused on God. And you've cleared your mind, you've cleared your schedule. This is why this is the highest devotion, is when you gather together to worship. You know why? Because love is a choice, and you made a choice. You could be sleeping in, you could be watching cartoons, you could be climbing or hiking, but you chose to worship God. So it becomes the highest devotion. 
because you had all these other choices. You could be, you could be at Denny's, Cracker Barrel. You could be playing games. You could be mowing the lawn or whatever they do up here in Flagstaff. Back home, we go out and rake the rocks. Let's go rake the rocks today. So worship is movement, yes, but worship is also, the clear definition is ascribing worth to God. Right? That's why we encourage people to worship. You're like, I don't feel worthy. Well, you got it wrong. <laughs> it's not about you. I don't worship because I'm worthy. I worship because he's worthy. That's the right attitude. That's the right picture. I'm a dirty dog that needs Jesus. I need to be saved. And I prayed for every one of you since yesterday that you would be filled with the Holy Ghost today. That you would leave here, even if you're sitting quietly in your seat, or your, your tears are running down your face, or your hands are raised, that every one of you be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Especially, especially those that are playing, singing, and serving children's, you're running the church, you're in the media booth, you've got to have a moment. You've got to be able to stop and say, church can't be work. It's got to be, if anybody needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's these leaders and people running Sunday school and feeling like, man, I'm exhausted because I worked all day. Don't, don't get sucked into the work part. Say, I am here first to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fire baptize me in the Holy Ghost. So whether you kneel, stand, clap, sit, whatever, the main thing is leave here today saying, I'm so happy I went to church. I've been refreshed. I have fresh anointing. My hope is back and I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I come back, I'm going to do it even more. I'm going to lean in even more. You just build baby steps, one step after another. It doesn't happen all at once. You just keep leaning in. You just keep going closer and closer. Keep moving your spiritual life forward. Don't get stuck where you are. Listen, God saves you where you are, but thank God he doesn't leave you there. All right. Okay. Let's move on. Romans 12 and one. I appeal to you. The scripture says, I appeal to you brothers by the mercies of God to present everyone say your bodies. If it doesn't offend you to write in your Bible, you can circle that word. That's really the key word. Your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is spiritual worship. Notice it's not just a song or, or, or a dance or clapping your hands. Your whole body is involved. Worship the Lord with your heart, your soul, your mind, right? The inner sanctum is how we see God. Your mind and your strength. So my whole body, my fingers to my toes, to my eyes and my ears, everything is focused on God. And I've got to block out everyone else. No one's looking at me. I, I'm here to worship God. And this is my time. This is my time to be filled. I'm a better husband when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm a better father. I'm a better uh, grandfather. And I'm a better great-grandfather. I'm, I'm a better man in the church. I, I, I treat people better when I leave church filled with the Holy Ghost. Your whole body, when we worship God with our whole body, we put on display how wonderful God is. It's like, you ever seen something beautiful? Look at that. It's like me in the parking lot. Look at that truck. Right? Maybe the Lord will move on that man's heart just to donate it to me. You never know. He may be rich. You never know. And he needs to lighten his load. 
But what was I saying? Oh, when we worship God, we worship God with our whole body. That means, you know what that means to me? Also, the deeper, deeper uh, meaning of that is that how I treat Allie and Tila and Josh is worship. How I speak to the worship team, how I treat the youth pastor, how I I recognize him or I honor somebody, it's worship. Because my bodies, because they are the image of God on the earth, right? If you want to know what God looks like, look around the room. He made us in his image. So it's no mystery what God looks like. So how you treat each other is worship and how you treat your wife, look at this now, is worship. Right? My mother, Jared, my son-in-law, Jared, married our oldest only daughter, Deanna. My mother came to visit our church. She goes, I love your church. It's such a worshiping church. And Deanna with her anointed singing and Nathaniel with his voice and all of this. And, and she goes, and Jared, the way he worships Deanna. Because he's just like this in church. Like, that's my wife. And he just, he just focused on her. And she can be a distraction, I guess. But I love that. I love it when someone loves somebody that much and they show it. You can see it on their face. So there are many kinds of worships. We're going to go through this quickly here in the last next 14 minutes. Number one, first one is praise, which means we express truth to God. And Psalm 71 says, I will praise you with the harp, even your truth. So you're describing you are what is true and all truth comes from God. I have to base all my sanity. What is absolutely true, start with God and go from there. He's the source, the center. To my God, I will sing praises, O the Holy One of Israel. Number two is a celebration. That's when we proclaim truths about God. God is great, like at a football game when they go, we're number one. We're number one. Okay, that's what we do in church. God is number one. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. So here's a scripture that gives us permission to do this in church. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Break forth with singing for joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lair, which is a small harp about that big you could hold in your hand. Sing praise and with the lair, the sound of melody. With trumpets. Everyone say trumpets. We need, we need an orchestra pit right here. I'm going to pray that God gives you a, a, a French horn, a trumpet, clarinet, a couple of violins would be nice. So all the instruments, he's saying, and with the sound of the horn, shout joyfully before the king, the Lord. Let the sea roar and, the, and, and, and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together. What is the point? The point is you were born into a world that was already worshiping God. Get with the program. You were born in a world with the trees and the birds and the wind and the rivers and the oceans and creation is worshiping its creator. Get in harmony with that. Yeah, get in harmony with that. That's all we're doing. We're getting into alignment. We were dumb to it. We were deaf to it. We were heathens. We weren't paying attention. So when the, when the worship leader, Josh, is picking the songs, he's in prayer all week and goes, I don't know why, but I think we need to sing this one, this one, and that one. What he's doing, he's getting in harmony and rhythm. There's a flow that we're going to join in with all creation. And when you sing that song and you hit those notes and we're all in one mind and one accord, something 
beautiful is happening to me, around me, above me, beyond me, into my future. Thank you, Jesus. So we're getting in. So here's the, here's the downside. I, I say there's an upside to everything. What's the downside of that? The downside is the temptation for those of you to excuse yourself. And in every family, I said, I have seven in my family, right? My parents have 24 grandchildren, 28 great-grandchildren, and now they're on their fifth generation. On Rhonda's side, her, mother, her grandmother's still alive. She's 100 years old, still walks to church. They, they built a little house for her on the church property because her son's the pastor. She walks down the sidewalk to church. She's like Pastor Ron, it's spitfire, spitfire, sings and has a joke all the time, very sharp in her mind. And 100 years old, so that's now that Victoria, our granddaughter, had a baby, and I'm a great-grandfather, and Ron decides that's six generations. So we're going to get the baby and fly up there. Ron is going to get that six-generation picture. But it, my point is, in every family, there are seven in our family. There's always the quiet one. There's always the one, you know, you got the three kids that are jabbermouth. And then you got the quiet one that can't get a word in edgewise. And, and you may be that person. You're born that way. You're born, you're a good listener. And you think a lot. You're in your head a lot. And you're not the jabbermouth, which is not bad. Um, and when you come to church... You kind of excuse yourself saying, I love that, but that's just not me. You're the quiet one. You sit out. I have something, and I pastor about 20% of our church is in that category. And you may be the one in your family that is that way. Don't elbow your husband or wife. But but there's always somebody that's quiet, shy. And even like I told you, my religious upbringing, where we came from, your religious upbringing may be working against you, where they taught you churches should be more like a library, right? And and that's all you knew, so that's all I knew. And so when you come into a church like this, listen, for those of you that don't know this, those of us that weren't raised this way, it almost seems irreverent. Because church is holy, we think holy, we think quiet. Keep your mouth closed. Be reverent. So it almost seems out of place. This shouldn't be. This is not a football game, you know. And you can go down that path. Let me help you over a bridge. All of us have a propensity to get excited about something. What puts a smile on your face? You're quiet. You're shy. You're a little withdrawn. What do you get excited about? Is it shopping? A new pair of shoes? Is it hiking that mountain, the challenge, the physical challenge of a rapid or uh, an adventure, a vacation, uh, a sitting on the porch at night? What What do you look forward to? Your favorite book waiting for you by the coffee table? What do you look seeing your grandchildren? And I did this in the first service. Now watch what happens to everyone when I say this. Imagine last night you happened to go by the store and you gave two bucks and you don't even know it now, but you won the mega million. $270 million, let's say. Just imagine, just for a moment, that you won it. How does that make you feel? People like, (laughs) smile spreads on all of your faces. And your heart starts racing like, how can I spend all that? Okay. So let's just say that's it. Say it's not it, but you know what it is that you get excited about and motivates you, okay? 
as a quiet person. Your worship for God should be one notch above that. That's all. That's all I ask. Do yourself a favor, do the church a favor, and don't regress and don't become even more quiet because somebody needs to be quiet around here. There's too much noise. No, just think of that thing that you get the most excited about and then give God the next level up above that. Does that help you? So please be open. Please be open to a, a new way of doing things. Matthew 21 says a large crowd gathered together. They threw their suit coats in the street. They took off their nice jackets like this, laid them in the street. They tore down people's branches and palm trees branches and laid them in the street. And Jesus walked on them with his donkey. What would be your first reaction? That is a waste of good shrubbery. And it's, that's logical that you would say, yeah, you just destroyed somebody's tree that you don't own. You kind of laid it in the street and now the tree standing there with no, no, nothing on it. And then you took off a suit coat, you laid it down. What would you say? That suit coat has cost me a lot of money. Why did you do that? See what we logically call waste. Jesus calls worship. And you have, to, you have to be honest. You have to check yourself. Is this just the cranky old me? Because everyone's happy and I'm not. So I'm picking and I'm finding fault. So be honest with yourself. Find your center and say, I need to be all in. What is the point of all this? The point of all this is that you need a place to get pumped up. You need a place to be encouraged. Right? There's no one that I know says, I need some encouragement. I'm going to go home and watch CNN. <laughs> Never have I ever heard anyone say that. And Fox News is, is just as bad because they're all sensationalism and you don't even get real news anymore. So why even bother? If you want to be encouraged and you want to be pumped up, get together and worship God as a church. There's nothing nothing that will give you hope and a freshness. No, my crappy circumstances haven't changed, but I have changed. I am, I feel better about my future. I have hope now. I am pumped up. I'm excited about life. I can live through this week. Why? Because you went to church. And the church is supposed to be preaching the gospel, which means good news. The Greek word is euangelion is the, is the Greek word. Euangelion. Did you know that gospel was not a Christian word? It was Caesar's word. The Roman Empire was just an everyday word. It means good news. The Christians stole it from Caesar like in your face. You think you have good news. Wait to hear our good news. That's what they did. It's a heathen word. Euangelion literally means heralder. So in the battle, and you've seen maybe the gladiator, when the Romans are fighting the barbarians of the north, ungodly, unchristian people and all that, and they're fighting the, these people of the north, these heathens, they would send a runner or rider, or whatever he needed to do to get back to the city of Rome. He would get up on the highest, let's say the courthouse steps, or where the Senate is, the highest point, and he would go like this, good news! He said, euangelion, so everyone would listen. What's the good news? We're winning the battle against the heathens of the north. We're winning. And so way, way back, like say back in town, someone said, what did he say? And then they would, someone would repeat it. He said, good news is that we're winning the battle. 
So that's what euangelion means. It means to shout, to yell, tell the world. So we as a church, we have the Christians. That's why they put it in their Bible. We have the real euangelion. Hey world, there was a fight. And Jesus won. And the good news is the grave doesn't have the last answer. You can live forever with Jesus in heaven. You can be born again. You can get rid of your sins. You are eternal. You are spirit having a temporary experience in the flesh. But you're going to live somewhere forever. And the good news is Jesus has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That's good news. That'll put a bounce in your step. That'll tell you, yeah, this life sucks. But the good news is it's only going to be a short time and this life will be over. And then our best life begins. Our real life begins. No more pain, no more death, no more dying, no more divorce, no more rejection, no more hurting each other, no more violence, no more racism, no more abuse. No more human trafficking. It'll all be done and wiped away. And we'll be forever with Jesus in heaven because we are, we are eternal spirits. We are immortals because we are made like God. This fleshly experience, don't get too hooked up in it. You may look in the mirror one day and you're so cute. Then you're like me. 60 years goes by like, who is that guy? You look at your high school picture and says, what happened? Our worship creates an experience unique only to us gathering together. Let's go number three. It is a form of evangelism. When I came into a church like this, I was sitting right there where that guy with a white polo shirt is. And my wife was sitting up here towards the front. My wife, not my wife at the time. I was 14. <laughs> but it was the pastor's daughter. And Rhonda had her hands lifted. Tears were flowing down her face. She wasn't standing or drawing attention to herself. She was just sitting. But I saw something on her. And not her flesh, not her beauty. I saw that. I knew her from school because I had seen her. I was in sixth grade. She was in seventh. That's when we met. And I saw her worshiping God and crying in church. And at 14, think about this, how young I was, only knowing the Catholic church. I said, these people and her, they have something I don't have. And I want that. At 14 years of age, I could tell the difference. Not, not spiritual, never even open, cracked the Bible. But I knew they had something I did not have. Worship becomes a form of evangelism. It's when you put on display how great God is and how it's changed your life. People see and feel the difference. Worship encourages our heart. David said, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. That's a Hebrew idiom. The lifter of my head says, when I worship, I'm encouraged. My heart is lifted. I was down. I was depressed. I was stressed out about the condition of the world. But worship lifts your heart. Number five, worship transforms us. 
that there's a scripture in Corinthians with unveiled faces. We behold in a mirror the glory of God and we're changed in the same image. The word mirror means your imagination. Your sanctified imagination is how you see God. That's why you have to be careful with your mind. You can't afford to think about just anything. Your mind is a sanctuary. It's how you see God. We worship God with our mind. And the last one is worship is where warfare is accomplished. Let's stand together for this last point. The last point is warfare happens. We have no idea the darkness we're pushing back, just gathering together. There's power in numbers. And this is what happens in the spiritual world. The devil gets, you want to make the devil depressed? Get up and go to church on Sunday morning. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do with a guy who's suffering, hurting, and things are not right, and he goes to church and worships God anyways? You can't defeat him. The devils do this when we gather together. Oh, no, they're gathering together. They're back together again. And not only that, they've stopped complaining, and now they're worshiping. Run for your life. We don't have a chance. We have no idea the darkness and the things we're winning and why even you're still alive today is because we've been worshiping God through all of this. So in the name of Jesus, don't ever lose your passion. I'm going to love God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all my mind, strength. And you, only you know when you're doing that. Silently or overtly, loudly or quietly, I pray that everyone here leaves filled, fire baptized with the Holy Ghost. And we will be able to say we did it together. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, man. Hallelujah. And I loved the connection he made, how our bodies are a living sacrifice. And that is an act of worship, how we treat people. Amen. So we have every week with this new series, we have a do it together challenge. So we have that QR code in the lobby and it's on our website. Make sure that you see that challenge. Your challenge this week is to be the witness, to invite someone to church. Like he said, we have the good news We have it, and we're saying, the good news is this, and we want to invite someone. We want to grow the kingdom and do it together, amen? And then make sure you join us tonight, 634, our worship night. It's so perfect. What a perfect setup, amen, for everything that God is doing. I want you to take the hand. If you came with someone, take their hand, and we're going to speak this bridge declaration together and believe it and have an amazing Sunday. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because because I am a bridge builder. We love you, Bridge Family. We're so glad you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision, whether that was dedicating your life to Christ or rededicating your life to Christ, send us an email at info at 
and let us know you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you're joining our Great Church family online for the first time, we have a very special gift for you. Send us an email at info at wearebridge.church to share some information on where we can send you that gift. We're so glad you joined us today. We can't wait to see you soon. Be sure to stay connected because we're so much better. Together.